Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about how to deal with uncertainty, fear, and doubt. So I actually got this idea when I was preparing for our upcoming retreat in Costa Rica, and I was putting together this little info packet for everybody who's attending with all the information. And I do include like a rough schedule, like of course the arrival and departure information, but I don't give them the exact outline of everything we're going to be doing in Costa Rica day by day. And the words that I wrote on that part of the schedule was trust the process, embrace uncertainty, and surrender is strength. Those are just a few mantras that I put there on that information guide because I wanted my retreat attendees to remember the beauty of surrender and the beauty of just letting go of control and knowing that, yeah, there's some things that are uncertain and some things that you may not know because they're a surprise, but ultimately it's for the best. And I find that this shows up in so many areas of our lives, especially at this point in time. I don't know about you, but I feel like as things start opening up and as we're, you know, traveling more or maybe getting more business or job opportunities or going out there and starting to date again or whatever that looks like for you, I think it's kind of scary because we've been in this 
kind of limbo lockdown for over a year now. And with, you know, the everything opening up, it's like there's just more space for uncertainty as well. So this shows up everywhere. Like I mentioned, your job, work, business. If you run your own business or you freelance or you have a side hustle, you know the uncertainty that comes with that, uh, not just with income, but with with everything because you're kind of like your own boss. So you're in charge of all of that. This is really real when it comes to weight fluctuations and body changes and with all these toxic summer body messages and this lose the quarantine weight kind of thing. I think it's just we're very much internalizing that pressure and that shame and we're trying to control things. And one of those things is our bodies. We talk a lot on this podcast about how we kind of, the the body is this physical manifestation of the way we feel about ourselves and our and our lives. So sometimes when we're feeling like out of control in our lives, we try to control food and our bodies because we think that that's going to bring us a certain level of peace, but it's just misdirected energy. And then also relationships. This one was a big one for me. And if you've listened to earlier podcast episodes, especially the one where I talk about why I'm in therapy. I think I released that like almost a year ago because it's been more than a year since I've been in therapy. And my main goal with therapy was to get over this fear I had of marriage and potential divorce and really being in a committed relationship. And I wanted to be proactive about that before boyfriend and I, you know, do the whole engaged and marriage thing. I wanted to be really proactive about making sure that I'm in the right headspace and that I'm doing everything I can to take care of my mental health and to address the childhood traumas surrounding that. So that way I'm not bringing all this baggage into the relationship in a big and heavy way. So um, that is like a big area of our lives where we deal with that uncertainty and fear and doubt. Um, so I wanted to do, to do this episode specific to how to deal with that. And keep in mind that this one is also related to episode number 50, which is called How to Let Go of Perfectionism and Control. So if you enjoy this theme, you might want to listen to episode 50 after that because they kind of go hand in hand. So in that episode, long story short, is we basically go through mindset steps to realize the fact that control is an illusion and that life is uncertain. A really funny story for you. Well, I think it's really funny. Hopefully you find it funny too. But when boyfriend and I first started dating, I, like I said, I had a lot of fears around it being too good to be true. That's like the story that kept coming up in my head. And what I kept telling myself was, this is too good to be true. I'm waiting for the second shoe to drop. Nobody's this perfect. I don't deserve this. Like that's literally the dialogue that would play nonstop in my head. And this is, you know, after enduring doing a lot of work on my own self-worth, but something about this relationship and just how stable and steady Stan's energy is. My boyfriend's name is Stan. Um, Something about it like really triggered those old wounds because I am not used to that kind of stable, steady energy. I mean, that is nothing close to what 
my childhood was like. That's nothing close to what my past relationships were like. And so because of the uncertainty and because it was so unusual to me, my mind like instantly labeled it as bad, right? Like this shouldn't be what's wrong. (laughs) Something's going to happen. And I was constantly dealing with this kind of anticipation anxiety. So anyways, the funny story about this is I told this to my best friend and I said something along the lines of like, what if Stan ghosts me? And granted, my best friend has been married for almost 10 years. She got married pretty young at like 20, 21, and they've been together a decade. And she's like, well, girl, I can ghost David tomorrow. (laughs) David's her husband. Um, And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I don't know why something about that. It was just so funny to me, but also true. She's like, I'm married and I can ghost my husband tomorrow. (laughs) And I think her point was that there's never 100% certainty that even when you're married, even when you've been together a decade, even when, you know, it, it seems like there's no way that anything can happen something can still happen and you can still go somebody the next day. That's not to say that it's going to happen or that that's a healthy way to approach relationships. But she proved the point to me that I can't be living my life waiting for that 100% certainty or waiting for all of my anxiety to subside or waiting for some sort of big breakthrough in therapy that's going to fix everything that's ever happened to me and make me the perfect person in this relationship. I mean, clearly that's not realistic. So instead, we have to learn to like do this dance with uncertainty and fear and doubt and know that it's going to come up. We're going to feel it and that that's normal. That's like a part of being human. And we can also learn to manage it and to, you know, ignore it when we need to and also learn the difference between When am I feeling like unwarranted anxiety or when is like my body or spirit trying to tell me something like intuition? So we're going to talk about all of that. I have six steps for dealing with uncertainty. But first, I just want to like highlight that if we don't deal with it, and I'm sure you've felt a lot of these feelings before, uncertainty and fear and doubt can lead to a lot of anxiety, obviously, rumination, This is such a big thing that happens in anxious minds is we tend to like ruminate and overthink and we replay that same potential scenario over and over and over again in our heads and we just can't move on from it. We can also, we're at risk of missing out on opportunities due to fear, right? Like how many times have you not gone to the pool party because you were too afraid to get in a swimsuit? That is like the epitome of missing out on your life because of this uncertainty around what somebody else is going to think of me and constantly trying to control other people's opinions, which are probably the number one thing that are outside of our control and that we need to let go of. But obviously, it's easier said than done. Um, And uncertainty can also lead us to playing small and safe and just being trapped in this little comfort bubble that, of course, we eventually want to break out from. And lastly, I put this because I think, or at least I used to be, I don't know about anymore, but my whole life I've identified as like a high performer, a high achiever. And so I think that 
when uncertainty and fear and doubt get out of control, we get very overwhelmed with all of the possibilities and all the different things we can do. Um, I very much dealt with this when choosing a college major. Like it was so hard for me to decide and I was constantly doubting myself and I was constantly dealing with FOMO, like that fear of missing out. I'm like, well, if I do this degree, then I can miss out on this potential career path. And everything was always like the grass was always greener on the other side and I wanted to do it all. And then it made me overwhelmed. And then I ended up making no decision. And then I let somebody else make the decision for me, i.e. I went into biochemistry, something I didn't like at all because my partner at the time was Indian and I thought his Indian parents wouldn't accept me unless I was a doctor. So (laughs) that is everything that happened just because I couldn't trust myself and because I, I couldn't deal with the uncertainty of choosing a college major or learning something new and figuring out what I like or don't like. I was just constantly looking to other people for for their opinion and for their input and for their approval. So all of this, I think it's just this big like spider web. Obviously, these are topics that we talk about extensively on the podcast, but let's dive into, in particular, ways for dealing with uncertainty. So the first strategy that I've been using that's helped me so much, and actually my mom taught me this back in high school, and she used to help me talk this through, but this is called worst case scenario planning. Now, I want to highlight that this is not ruminating. This is not overthinking. And if you are in a mindset of, if you're in that mindset already, and you're feeling anxious, then chances are you need a little bit of a break. Like you need to at least get a good night's rest and then do this the next morning. Don't try to like, I don't know, don't try to like combat your anxiety with this strategy because it could make things worse. So just a little caveat there that hopefully you're in a mindset where your head is a little more clear. So I do recommend doing this first thing in the morning. And you can either do this as like a writing activity with yourself or talk to like a trusted friend or counselor or just somebody that will hold that space for you and be a sounding board. So I generally do this with my mom because she's just really good at listening about this kind of stuff. So basically, the essence of this is that you're preparing yourself and your mind for the worst case scenario. So you literally walk through every single if then. So um I don't know, something on the forefront of my mind is like retreats. The first time I hosted a retreat, my mom and I did this worst case scenario planning a lot because I was very, very afraid to host my first retreat. It was a lot of money involved. I didn't know if anybody would come. I didn't know if I would be able to execute it, let alone execute it well. And there were just all the self-doubts were coming up. And um, my mom helped walk me through a worst case scenario planning of like, okay, just first step is you have to put down the deposit on the venue. And I'm like, okay, well, what if I I lose the money and it doesn't work out and, and the place isn't the best place and just all these different things can happen, especially when money is involved, I get really stressed out. And my mom's like, worst case scenario, you lose that deposit. Let's look at the return policy or the cancellation policy and let's figure out exactly how much money you could potentially lose. And say it's like, I don't know, a thousand dollars. Don't remember what it was, but say it's that. Now my mind is prepared like, okay, worst case scenario, I'm losing 
$1,000. It's not 5000 It's not 10000 because our brains tend to catastrophize, right? And in that moment, I'm like, well, there's this big retreat and there's so much money involved and I have to pay this amount of money. And my mom helped me see that, no, you don't have to pay this huge chunk of money. You just have to put down a deposit. And that deposit is the only thing that's non-refundable. So worst case scenario helps you realize that your worst case scenario, the one your brain is catastrophizing, is not necessarily the worst case scenario. You're probably being dramatic. Also, it's probably highly unlikely. A lot of the times you'll find that you'll do this worst case scenario planning and the odds are just in your favor or not in your favor, (laughs) depending on how you want to look at it. But basically the point is that there's a very slim chance that that will happen, you know, and it's important to like be realistic. And then from there, you know, going back with the retreat example, I'm like, okay, well, what if nobody signs up and it's a disaster and I get made fun of and it's embarrassing, right? That's like another big fear. And, you know, I I talked this through with myself or my mom. I was like, okay, worst case scenario, if less than five people sign up, then that's probably not enough to have a retreat. Then I'll just refund them their money. I will, you know, uh, this deal with this non-refundable deposit. And that's it. Nobody will ever know. And I don't have to talk about it, right? And then best case scenario, if like more than five people sign up, six people sign up, then I've broken even on the amount of money I invested and I had a great experience and I learned along the way. So this is a way that you can just start walking yourself through every single scenario and make sure that it's backed by facts. Like dig up that cancellation policy. Actually think about what is your exit strategy? I think this is very healthy to do. Um, My friend in Canada, she was like, I have like a a go bag, not a go bag because I think the world's going to fall apart. But I have a bag packed with my passport, some cash, and I don't know, essentials, whatever that may be, just in case. She was living with her boyfriend at the time. She's like, this is his place. And if I don't have anywhere to go, I would rather, you know, cushion that. And I don't want to put myself in a bad position where, I don't know, something happens and I can't find my passport, right? So these kinds of things, like they're healthy. They're part of preparing. When they become unhealthy is when, again, we fail to adequately prepare. We stress ourselves out. It's on our minds. It's on our hearts. We feel hopeless. We feel like we can't do anything about it when most times that is not the reality. Most times there is something we can do to prepare the best that we can. And our brains start catastrophizing and getting really dramatic. And we just, yeah, we just put ourselves in this endless cycle and and vicious loop. And it's completely unnecessary. Like we can completely avoid that. And then the last benefit of this worst case scenario planning, which again has helped me so, so much. And like I said, I want to put this caveat in there again. I know it's not for everyone. If you're in the midst of anxiety, then this worst case scenario planning is probably not going to go well. So please make sure that you're like in a right headspace. But ultimately, what you're doing is you're making peace in advance with the thought that scares you the most. I'm going to say that again. Worst case scenario planning helps you make peace in advance with the thought or the belief or the event that scares you the most. 
So basically you're just swallowing it, right? Like me with that deposit. I'm like, all right, worst case, it's a thousand dollars. I'm just going to swallow that now. So that way in the rare case that it may happen that everything fails and I lose that deposit, it's just a thousand dollars. And as soon as you can swallow that and just like mentally prepare yourself for it, you feel like a big weight lifter off your shoulders. You're like, all right, I'm prepared. I know what's coming. These are kind of the the scenarios. And on the flip side, my next piece of advice for dealing with uncertainty is also asking yourself, maybe right after you do the worst case scenario planning, what is the best that can happen? What is the best case scenario? And plan that out too. (laughs) Again, I know it may seem counterintuitive, but you're just preparing your mind for all of these possibilities, but you're also being realistic about them. So that way they don't scare you as much anymore. So for example, if you're going on a date and you're really, really nervous and your mind is running amiss with all the things that could go wrong when you open your heart up to say a stranger that you met on Bumble or wherever, you can do a best case scenario planning and you can say, okay, worst case, it's a horrible date. I walk away and hopefully you took a selfie and documented how cute you look, okay? (laughs) That is like literally worst case scenario. Best case scenario, you have a really good time. You learn more about yourself and what qualities you want in a romantic partner. You share some laughs. You connect with a real life human being, which is important whether you're having sexual or romantic relationships with them or not, right? It's important to connect with people. Or like best case scenario, if you want to be really big about it, maybe you'll find the love of your life. (laughs) Maybe there's a slim chance, right? Um, But you truly never know. Or if you're um, gaining weight and you're dealing with the uncertainty of like, oh my God, what is is my body going to look like if I gain weight? Maybe the best case scenario is that you're going to learn to heal your body image and that this is the beautiful journey, the starting point to that. Or maybe you'll finally recover from a lifetime of dieting and torturing your body. That's definitely a best case scenario. That's what happened to me when I gained weight and so many other people that I've spoken with and and coached and hosted at retreats. And maybe you'll actually find peace with who you are beyond your body. Maybe gaining weight is the challenge that is going to get you to the other side. Again, that's exactly what happened to me. Um, My therapist and I talk about this a lot, how sometimes we feel like, okay, we got this. We're working on things in therapy. I have tools in my toolbox. And then boom, something comes in to challenge me. And my therapist, and I keep reminding myself that that is when those tools matter the most. So maybe whatever uncertainty you're dealing with right now, maybe it's like the challenge that's going to get you to the other side, the challenge that's going to build your confidence, the challenge that's going to build your business or build your leadership skills or whatever that challenge is. Generally, the best case scenario of that is that you grow so much. You grow exponentially more than if you didn't have the uncertainty, than if you just played it safe, than if you just, you know, went through the motions and never took a risk and never bet on yourself. The alternative to me is scarier. So this is why I think it's important to do both 
worst case scenario planning and best case scenario planning. The next piece of advice that may help you, and I think I talked about it, I don't remember where, but I know it was somewhere on this podcast episode. This is just a technique for dealing with any kind of anxiety. Um, Actually, not anxiety. Let me rephrase that. I don't want to minimize anxiety. Dealing with any kind of worry. So if you're a worrier or if you're nervous or stressed, this is important. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to delay your worry or set a time limit on it. So how I use this is before uh, public speaking presentations, I am worried, I am stressed, I am nervous, I am all of the above. And say my presentation is on Friday, right? Of course, a part of me wants to like start preparing on Monday. But personally, that is a recipe for disaster for me because if I start preparing on Monday, then I just continue worrying all week. So what I figured out with the help of my therapist is that I'm actually the type of person that I like to prepare not last minute, but definitely like a day or two before. And the reason for that is very intentional because otherwise I stress myself out. And actually studies show, I read this incredible book called Originals by Adam Grant, and it's about how creative minds think and how creative ideas come to be and how we can actively cultivate a space for more creativity. And in this book, he talks about the power of procrastination, how sometimes like putting things off is actually the space you need to almost like uh, simmer, like let those ideas simmer. So if I have a public speaking presentation, I definitely have some sort of ideas in my head, but I need to let them like simmer and boil in my head for a little bit before I actually put pen to paper and start working on my outline and start working on my speech, right? And so again, this this has two parts to it. Is one, it's a great method for dealing with stress in general. And it also has this positive byproduct that you actually might find yourself being more creative in the process if you just delay your worry. So long story short is don't worry until you have to, <laughs> right? Until it's the day before the speech or the the morning of. I did this with my TED Talk too. I, I kind of compartmentalize all the things going on in my life. And obviously the TED Talk was a big thing that was just hanging over my head for the whole seven months I was preparing for it. And of course I was scared shitless. But I didn't let myself start worrying until I was actually boarding that plane to Colorado where I, you know, landed and and that's where my TED event was. Um, and then the same thing, like if I'm having dinner with Stan before the event, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to worry until after dinner. <laughs> after dinner, I'll start worrying. And you can literally self-talk yourself through these. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. But that's actually the power of compartmentalizing certain things is that you can like, don't drive yourself crazy until you absolutely have to. And at the same time, another thing similar to this that you can do is set a time limit. Sometimes I literally tell people to put a time limit on how long you're going to worry. Put a time limit on how long you're going to think about and overthink this little thing. So I'll look at the clock and I'll be like, all right, I got 20 minutes until my next meeting. Let me worry about this. And sometimes worrying is just sitting there and 
numbing myself out and mindlessly scrolling through social media and um, using those methods that probably aren't the most productive for my mental health. And other times worrying is actually journaling or making decisions. It just depends on what state of mind that you're in. But whatever it is, if you set a time limit on it, like, I'm sorry, but 20 minutes mindlessly scrolling on social media isn't going to kill you. Maybe your brain needs that break. And that's great. You know, I think we have this tendency to constantly jump into solutions and being perfect about them. And, you know, the self-help world tells us that we shouldn't go to our phones, but we also have to be realistic with ourselves and recognize that sometimes we do reach for social media because we need that connection to fill the void, right? Like, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe it's not just social media. Maybe you're texting a friend or maybe you're reading articles or blog posts. Like all of that is great too. These are all just different methods, different coping mechanisms that we use in order to like soothe ourselves, right? And to deal with that stress and worry and uh, uncertainty and a level of anxiety. So delay your worry or set a time limit on it. Next up, now we're going into like learning to embrace uncertainty and actually see it as a good thing. Some of the most beautiful chapters of our lives come from a tremendous amount of fear, doubt, and uncertainty. I want you to think back on some of the best things you've ever done. Maybe you traveled somewhere that was just an incredible experience or you took a job offer that was incredibly challenging, or I don't know, even if you aced a test or told somebody that you loved them or told somebody that you're sorry. Like a lot of these things are very vulnerable and they're in that territory of fear, doubt, and uncertainty. And it doesn't make sense until later, but there's lots of evidence to support the belief that uncertainty is your friend. Uncertainty is actually the gateway to great experiences, to deeper connection, to better learning, to more learning about yourself and the world and just everything. Like the evidence shows that every time we're a little bit afraid or every time we're nervous, it's because we care. It's because we we want this, right? And so I want you to get in the mindset and start thinking about how Doubt is your friend. Fear is your friend. The goal is not to ditch these friends, but rather to learn to listen to them when necessary. Maybe they have a point. Maybe there is something you should be nervous about. And that's totally okay. And maybe they're full of shit and you should just ignore them. (laughs) And embracing all the in-betweens of that friendship. I think it's just like any relationship, right? Like you take what you need, And then just ignore and forgive the rest, right? Um, So yeah, just keep that in mind that a lot of the best things you'll ever do and have ever done have come from a certain level of uncertainty. So learn to embrace that. Wrapping it up, I also want to make sure that we learn how to thank our fear and uncertainty and doubt. Um, Literally saying thank you because that voice in your head, it's actually trying to protect you. And we need to realize that this is an evolutionary survival instinct. It's important. We, again, we don't want to ditch it completely because that probably wouldn't make things better than we would be, (laughs) then we would be running amok. Is that a word? Is amok a word? My ESL is showing. 
running a miss or a muck. I don't know. We would be running around and doing whatever the hell we want, whenever the hell we want, which sounds like a great idea, but I am sure there's a negative extreme to that too. Point is that uncertainty and that fear and and worry and doubt that you feel inside your mind and your body when dealing with that, that's showing you something. It's still important and we don't need to get rid of it. We just need to learn how to manage it and how to do that dance with it. Lastly, branching off of that, we also need to learn the difference between intuition and anxiety. And I know this may seem hard because sometimes I definitely get like physical anxiety symptoms where I feel like a pit in my stomach and my throat starts closing up and I get hot. And sometimes like say before a public speaking presentation, I get those symptoms. But of course, you know, doing a speech and something that I love like public speaking, um, it's not it's nothing to be afraid of, like physically afraid of, right? Whereas anxiety, a lot of the times in our body, it feels the same way as excitement. So it's easy to confuse those two. And I think that um, there's just a lot of work and studies out there about the power of our intuition. There's actually a really great book called The Gift of Fear. And it talks about how our bodies, we just have this instinct. Like we know when something is wrong. We know when a person is acting strange when they're not trustworthy. Um, we, we get a feeling, right? And it's very dangerous to completely ignore that feeling. Again, this is why fear is important. We don't need to get rid of it completely. But we can learn the difference between intuition and anxiety. And the way that I do this, I actually did an episode two weeks back. So it's episode number 64 called Decision Making or like it's called struggling to make decisions. Listen to this. And it basically talks about how to make better decisions and how to not overthink things because I'm the type of person that, as you can tell, I overthink everything and it takes me a really long time to make the silliest, smallest little decisions. Um, So that episode talks about how we can just trust ourselves a little bit more and make decisions from a good place. So anyways, the main thing I want you to get from that episode, whether you listen or not, So if you've listened, this is a refresh, but this is a great way to tell the difference between intuition and anxiety. Ready? Ask yourself, which decision would feel like a sigh of relief in my body? (sighs) How good is that? Which decision would feel like a sigh of relief? And I think that that can be very telling. Like going back to my public speaking example, would it feel like a sigh of relief if I were to email the event coordinator and be like, I'm sorry, I can't do this? No way. (laughs) No way. So obviously I have to learn to manage my nerves and stress and anxiety and go out there and speak on that stage, right? Um, But maybe there are certain things that you feel in your body, they feel kind of off, but you can't really tell whether it's anxiety or whether it's, you know, like whether it's warranted or unwarranted, right? And you don't know how to trust your body because a lot of us get disconnected and it's hard, like it's a hard practice. And I think it's just, it's very individual. It's one of those things that even if you practice it a lot, um, 
you still need more practice. So asking yourself, which decision would feel like a sigh of relief in my body? And there's different ways that you can branch off of this question. Like if you're hanging out with somebody, like, does my body feel safe? Do I feel like at ease around this person? Do I feel like I can be myself? Like, does does my light shine through around them? Do they create that safe space? Do they do they feel like I can breathe? And if the answer is yes, like if you really feel that safety in your body, then chances are they're they're a good person. And the the fear and anxiety that you may be feeling around them, like maybe you were in my situation, like I was with boyfriend, it was mostly coming from self-worth and not feeling worthy of that level of safety with a person, right? So it's a very important distinction to make because you don't want to throw away something that could be good just because you're afraid of it, but you also don't want to ignore certain signs of intuition just because you're you're working on like taking risks or challenging yourself. Like there has to be a dance and there has to be both and. And I find that this question of oh, what would just feel like I could breathe, what would feel like a sigh of relief in my body, I feel like that usually gives me a lot of answers, if not all of them. So I just talked for like 35 minutes, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that this was valuable to you and that it gives you some tools for dealing with uncertainty, fear, and doubt. As always, if you like this episode, let me know. Leave a review. Words of affirmation are my love language. Those reviews just mean everything to me and they keep me going. And if you're feeling compelled to share this with your friends on Instagram, make sure you tag me so I can see and reshare. And I greatly appreciate you spending this time with me. I love you so much and I will talk to you next week. One last thing before we farewell, if you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.